This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. So this morning, like I said, I'm talking about strongholds. And when we talk about strongholds, at times we, we think about fortress. We think about a fortified place. At times we also, you know, especially for those who are uh, older, charismatic Christians, they think about stronghold as something of evil, demonic um, uh, oppression and, and, and fortified environment. But the Bible lets us know that whilst we war, we do not fight against flesh and blood. And when we talk about against flesh and blood, in other words, we don't, we don't fight like humans. Because our weapons of our warfare, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And I'll explain all of those interesting, outdated words in a minute. But at times it's also important to think about stronghold as a place where you hide in God. The Bible tells us that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. That sounds to me like a stronghold. And, and, and then you start to see strongholds. You start to see the walls, the big walls that people cannot scale over. You start to see that anyone behind those walls are feeling like no one else can penetrate. The Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs in and they're safe. Amen. All right. So let's start. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. We are humans, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. We are humans, but we don't wage war as humans do. Say that with me. We are humans, but we don't wage war as humans do. So we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. And that's quite interesting. So the strongholds of human reasoning. Jesus said, he said, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. What you think is what you become. And if your mind is a stronghold, he has a way of holding you back from making progress in life. The decisions that we make on a daily basis are, tends to affect our future. Either our now future or our distant future. Amen. So it's saying here that we use God's mighty weapons. I like the way he says weapons. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. To knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Can someone do me a favor? Can you get the board and the pen for me very quickly, please? Thank you. I should have told you before I started. They are the best guys in the house. Yeah. Amen. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. 
And after you've become fully obedient, we, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. I like the, the, the Passion Translation. It says this. Say, all, for although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. He said, we don't do that. He said, instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. He said, we can de demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude. Is that touching you yet? Right? You say, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. We insist that it bows in obedience to the anointed one. And what I have realized from this scripture is that there is a stronghold. The war is not in the physical. The war is in our minds. The weapons of our warfare. So in other words, there is a warfare that we continue to fight. Although the scriptures also talked about uh, in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, it says, um, we do not fight Ephesians chapter 6. Hold on. I just want to quote it rightly. I like it. 6.12. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So, whilst we fight against that, but there's another war which is an internal war. So we're not talking about the demonic principalities that wage war in the heavenly realms, but we're not talking about the war that happens mostly within us. And he calls it the stronghold. Quite interestingly, this stronghold, he identifies four particular areas of this stronghold, and out of these four areas, we realize that it actually affects us as humans. So the first one there, it calls it human reasoning. So why did he identify a stronghold as our reasoning? So number one, human reasoning. I like the way the scriptures put it. In Psalm chapter 82, it says, For I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are the children of the Most High. It said, But you shall die like men, and fall like one of these princes. He said, But why would he say that? He said, But, and then some people go, Well, but, you know, that scripture is not talking about actual humans. It's talking about, um, you know, the angels. No, no, no. Because in John chapter 10, Jesus said that if he calls them God to whom the, the, the word came and the scripture cannot be broken. He said if he called them God to whom the word came and the scripture cannot be broken. In other words, that scripture was actually talking to people, humans. 
So, but I've said, ye are gods. In other words, you belong to God. You hail from God. Because if you are a child of God, you will not be, be something else. You will be gods. Yeah. Right? It's true. Dogs only give birth to dogs. They don't give birth to cats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if they give birth to cats, I don't think you will stay at home with them. And cats only give birth to kittens. Cats. Cats. But, but it's true, though. And I've never seen a human being who's giving birth to a dog. And it will not happen. It cannot happen. It's not meant to happen. So, in other words, if you are of a particular nature, you will give birth to that or rather, your offspring will be of the same nature. When the Bible tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 17, it says something about you being a new creation. All things are passed away. You say you are a new creation. In other words, God created you and you something completely different. Now you are of God, little children. That's another, another trans, uh, scripture. It said, now you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he... He does in the world. So you, you're born of God. You are a child of God. And if you are a child of God, you must be a God. So God sees you in that sense. So he gives you the capacity. He would not give you authority if you were not meant to have authority. He would not give you the capacity to look after his world if he didn't think you have the nature who were created in the image and likeness of God. And that is why he gave us the world. We are not the biggest being, or rather the biggest animal on earth. And they are elephants. And we are not the smallest either. They are ants. So we probably might not fit, you know, the category of the biggest or the smallest. But he made us like him and get, put us in control of his creation. He didn't put lions in control of the creation. No matter how much we try to sing about the lion that is the king of the jungle, but he didn't put him in charge of the creation. No matter how much we try to think about the, the elephant or the rhinoceros or whatever other animals, he didn't put them in charge of the creation. He put you in charge of the creation. And that is why the first thing that any animal, any animal will do when they see you is for them to run first. And the only reason why they attack is because they are afraid of you. Because God puts us in charge. Where did we leave that? So the first stronghold is human reasoning. You say, but yes, we are human beings. Yes, we are human beings. But don't forget that humans fell. And God raised his own people. Now, these new people who are new creation, who... With whom all things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. They have taken on the thoughts of righteousness. They have taken on the thoughts of God. They have taken it on. In other words, they are a new being on earth. It says, no longer would you. And when we talk about human reasoning, we are also talking about people who only respond to whatever they can feel, touch. Smell. You know the five senses? If it smells bad, it's bad. Right? If it stays sour, it's sour. If it doesn't look good, it's bad. 
You understand? And this is what controls us. These five senses controls the human realm. Nevertheless, there is a sixth sense, which is the fifth realm, which is not physical. And this sixth realm is greater and higher than these five senses. So the sixth one says you perceive and believe that you have it and you've got it. Although you've not seen it. And that's why in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, and faith is a substance of things hoped for. You are hoping for it, but it's the substance. Although you are hoping, but it's the substance. In other words, you have it, you're holding. Although you can't see it, but you can hold it in your spirit. So it's the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things, the evidence of things not seen can't see it, but you, are, you, um, you know. You just know it in your heart. You just know. It's there. It's there. It's there. So at that level, that, that goes beyond human reasoning. That goes beyond human reasoning. So, so in other words, what holds us down is when we start to think like ordinary human beings. Because we are not just ordinary human beings anymore. We, are, we belong to God. And when you start to understand that, you realize that there is a higher life you can live as a child of God. There's a higher life where your faith gains the ascendancy in your life than the five senses. You know how the five senses says, if it smells bad, it's bad. But yet, in Romans chapter 8, it says, all things work together for good. Say, so, well, if it's black, it's black. But he's saying, well, it might be black, but it's for your good. And then you hold on to the faith that is behind that. You see the cloud, but all you can see is not just a dark cloud hanging over you, but you always see a lining. And that lining starts from just a lining until it parts the heavens and you start to see a beautiful hope. And that's how we think. And that is not just motivational thinking. It is the spiritual way of life. Where you live way above your human reasoning. Because if everyone is thinking the same, the same thing will affect all of us. Can we quickly go to Isaiah chapter 60 verse 2. Oh, I, I love this part of the scripture. Let's look at it. Isaiah 62. Can we read this together, everyone? It says, Darkness as black as night covers all nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over who? Over you. King James Version says, Darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness, the people. But the Lord shall rise over you and his glory shall be seen on you. Why? Because you're different. So, but they're people, everyone. The Bible says in the book of Jonah, it said, They that observe lying vanities. Forsake their own mercy. What does that mean? If you observe the conditions and the situations in your life, you forsake your help. You, you, you start to forget that your help does not come from the mountain, does not come from Uncle Jim. You know, it, your help does not come from uh, anyone who you think can make you happy, but your help comes from God. Can I put some fire in the house this morning? You see, your happiness does not come from your husband or your wife. It does not. So don't ever depend on your husband or wife to make you happy. 
Because if you do, you'll be disappointed. It's true. You'll be disappointed. You cause it to happen because when you are, the Bible says rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. The situation might be terrible, but rejoice evermore. Your husband might come from, you know, come back from work and things are heavy for him at work. He comes home and you are thinking he's going to make me happy. Seriously, you've just missed out because he has his own pressure. But when you stay, when he gets back home and he sees your beaming face, beaming with smile, not beaming with anger, but beaming with smiles, he, he, he feels confident. He feels comfortable. He can even come to you and, and express his frustration back at work because he knows that you can hold it. And instead of you getting frustrated altogether, you are saying, it's okay, you'll be all right, you'll be fine. You'll be good. You'll be good. But if you de determine that, well, when my wife comes back, you know, she's the source of my happiness, so I'm just going to seek my happiness from her or from him, you'll be disappointed big time. Because the reason why you got married is not so that you can make me happy. No, that is why some people, in some sense, they go, for better, for worse, but when things really start getting bad, they, walk, they go walk about, you know. They walk. And some don't walk, but they get angry. And some give into, you know, womanizing, drinking, getting addicted on things. And even the beautiful, nice ones, the great ones who don't womanize or drink, they go and buy a boat when they have no need for it. <laughs> and then they put it on midlife crisis. Don't think like humans do. Because your joy, your happiness comes from God. When you rely on God, you won't settle for less. Are you still here? You'll still be married, but your marriage will be better. Because you are relying on someone that's higher. Who looks after you. Hallelujah. So human reasoning is the first stronghold. So don't think like humans do. Think like God would think. Number two. That we recognize from there is false argument. False Argument, and I, and I decided to check out what the meaning of argument is, right? We all know what argument is, but, but let's think about the meaning just a little bit more right now. The Collins Dictionary says, an argument is a statement or set of statements that you use in order to try to convince people that your opinion about something is correct. True? And that's logic. And there's nothing wrong with arguments. Because it's logic. It's a way of thinking. It's a set, of, a set pattern of thoughts. Actually, most things that have resulted from mathematical arguments is what has caused us to advance um, you know, in our technology and in so many ways. So that's arguments. But nevertheless, what he's talking about is not the argument in itself. It's a false argument. It's a false argument. The argument that does not see reason from the other person's perspective. The argument that is set in stone and cannot be moved. Your own opinion is right. 
It's either your way or no way. Even when you know you are falling into the ditch, it has to go your way. It's always about winning for you. It's always about control. I want to be right always. I'm not talking to um, people in relationship, but, but it happens most times. Where one person is controlling the other because they just want to be right. They just want to be right. I want to be right. In your mind, you are thinking, I have to be right. So you don't give the other person an opportunity to even air their opinion because you want to be always right. You want to win. Let go is a stronghold. You will not progress from that perspective. It's a stronghold. It's a stronghold. Let go of it. Let go of it. The third one is proud obstacles. We already know that obstacle is a negative thing. Right? Obstacle. An obstacle is a negative thing. And what's an obstacle? A thing that blocks one way or prevents or hinders progress. All right? And the synonyms of obstacles are barrier, hurdle, stumbling block. Did you hear stumbling block? Impediment, hindrance, drawback, handicap, complication, difficulty, problem, disadvantage, check, stop, interference. Did you find yourself yet? You see, at times, proud obstacles. And when it's, forget about the proud. Obstacles is bad in, bad in itself. How much more proud one? The proud one means I'm a barrier. And if I move out of your way, I'm no longer me. So for me to remain who I am, for me to have my own uh, feelings and opinion and, and uh, competence and self-perception intact, I continue to be who I am. I'll never change. At times, some of us, we are obstacles against ourselves. We hinder ourselves from a fixed pattern of thought. It's only my way. Just, it's just like the first one. Oh, sorry, the second one. False argument. It's only my way or no way. Barrier. And you know that your, your line of thought has always been the barrier in your life. But, but you never seem to give it another thought. Say, well, this is how it's always been. In my family, this is what they do. And that is why you see men who use violence even in their fourth generation. Shame on you. Because you think that's how to treat women? You say, well, my dad did it. My mom did, you know, my great-grandfather did it. In my family, this is how it works. No, it is not how it's supposed to be. I always say in domestic violence, you put yourself in the other position. Let's box you a little bit. Let's punch your head in a little bit. Let's see how, how fun it feels. You see? It's, it's true. But we're not talking about DV right now. We're talking about proud obstacles. Proud. You're thinking you are no longer you. If you give in. Something as little as seeing someone else in the morning and going good morning. I said, no, they have not said good morning to me, so I wouldn't say. 
Because if, I, if I'm the first person to say good morning, it makes me smaller. Really? Does it? It's proud obstacles. And probably the person didn't see you say, well, he saw me. And all these thoughts are in your head. They saw me. They didn't want to say good morning. I'm not the one to say good morning. You're walking. Why not make the environment alive? Why not bring the change to the environment? Why stay in your own stronghold that keeps limiting your progress? Why not break out of it intentionally? Your default might, might be that you are always the barrier in your own way. But become innovative about yourself and go, you know what? It stops today. Intentionally. You're always waiting for the other person to come and say sorry. Why don't you do it for the first time? Say, they hurt me really bad. I'm not going to forgive them. <laughs> Who are you doing? Yourself. Every time you see them, your heart skips a little bit. Whose heart is skipping? Yours. You allow other people to live in your head rent-free. Seriously. No. Break it. It's a barrier. It's a barrier. You had an issue with someone two days ago, and 48 hours later, you're still thinking about it. You're still boiling. You're still fuming. Shame on you. Because the fact is, you have not moved on. You have not moved forward. In other words, you are stuck 48 hours behind your normal life. It is true. Because in that relationship, you've just stopped growing right there. Every point you have not forgiven something, someone about anything, you've stopped growing in that relationship. So if it takes three months for you to forgive them, you are three months stunted. It's true. And that's a stronghold. Break it. So you've never tried going to someone and say, I'm sorry. You know, some people do it, actually. They go, Joyce, I'm really sorry. But you know it was your fault. <laughs> or, or they go, I'm really sorry, but you know you made me do it. You're not sorry. You're not sorry. Any sorry that stands to justify itself, it's not sorry. Or to justify your own position, it's not sorry. You're deceiving yourself. It's a stronghold. You know, at times I get tempted to, to give the reason. And at times my wife and I, we, we have arguments every now and again. And when we do, the Holy Spirit is telling me, go say sorry. I say, I'm telling myself, I'm not the one wrong here. She's the one wrong. She should say sorry. And then probably God is dealing with her exactly the same way she, he's dealing with me. And no one is saying sorry. And, and at times, I get to the point where the Holy Spirit has really dealt with me, where I go, okay, now I'm just going to go say sorry. And I walk into the room, the first look at her face, she, I'm thinking, no. <laughs> no. Why would, she be even, why, why would she even be looking at me like that? It's clear she hates me. And then when I finally say sorry, I'm tempted to say, you know, but the reason, and right there, the Holy Spirit goes, just shut up. Just shut up now. 
at times it's enough to just, it's, it's good enough to just swallow our pride just a little bit. Just keep quiet. Say the sorry and shut up. And let all the arguments be going on in your head. It's okay. We can't help that. All right? But just say the sorry and look sorry. That's another thing, right? We, at times we, we say sorry and don't look sorry. You just say it because you want to tick the box. And you don't look sorry. And the person knows because they know you. So it's not sorry. And at times they want to play your game, they just go, it's okay. And yet three days later you are still not talking. You understand how it works? It's a stronghold. Let it die a natural death. Don't think like humans do. Think God's way. Think God's way. All right. The fourth one. Rebellious thoughts. Oh, man. How many of us feel like that at times? Yeah. You know, always showing a desire. You know, I, I checked out the meaning of rebellious. It's, I've always known it, but I thought, you know, let me put some authority on it. It says, showing a desire to resist authority, control, or convention. And the synonyms are disobedience. Right? Insubordinate. Unruly. Ungovernable. You can't be governed. Unteachable. Unmanageable. Uncontrollable, turbulent, resistant is a stronghold. Is a stronghold. No matter the gospel that is preached, you never move. You might think about it, you might laugh about it, you might, but once you walk away, that's it. And at times, some of us, we are sitting there and we are receiving the word, but your mind is going, yeah, but, yeah, but. And you are arguing against the word. Ah. It's called rebellious thought. You might not say it is in your head. Rebellious thoughts. We're talking about three days of glory, and then some people are going, do I have to be there? Rebellious thoughts. That's where it starts. <laughs> but, but it's true, right? I don't have to be there. I don't have to be there. I don't, I don't have to. It's in your head. But it's always, you can't be managed. No matter how much they appeal to your conscience, it will never change. Instead, you're fighting it in your head. You're fighting it. And you always, that person is always looking for an excuse not to. It's rebellion. And the Bible says that rebellion is like a sin of witchcraft. Uh huh. See where we are going. So it's not witches, it's actually you. <laughs> so let go of these four things. You say, you, you go back to that scripture again, right? It says, we are humans, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. We are humans, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the stronghold of human reasoning, false argument, proud obstacles, rebellious thoughts, to the obedience of Christ. To the obedience of Christ. To the obedience of Christ. To who? To the obedience of Christ. You know, until God can see you as manageable. At times, 
Even God himself can't manage you. He looks at you and goes, oh, no. You know, at times you say, well, but God can do anything. But you can frustrate him. You've prayed and he wants to really do it, but he sees you already changing. Rebellious. Another word, a synonym for rebellious is turbulent. Unsettled. Wavery. You can't make one decision and stick by it. Today, you are a great one. Tomorrow, you are the devil himself. I've heard about parents who've talked about their children. And you go, oh, that child is cute. He's nice. Let them get home. They are devils at home. I'm thinking, really? Really? And I've, you know, I've sat in some sessions, you know, counseling sessions with, with some couples. And they go, uh, not with couples, with individuals. They go, well, my husband. I said, but I've met your husband before, and they're really great guys. They say, oh, well, outside, he's a saint. Inside the house, he's terrible. But at times, we are like that too. Don't just go, what? We all have the tendencies to behave badly. If God's word don't keep you planted and rooted, stronghold, let it go to the obedience of Christ. In other words, you are asking God, so what, what do you want me to do? Last scripture, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. New Living Translation it said, Don't copy the behavior and custom of this world. Say, but let God transform you. Say that with me, but let God transform you. In other words, give him permission. Give him permission to transform you. Stop holding yourself back. Give him permission. Allow him to come in. He said, I'm knocking at the door. He said, but he's God. He can do anything. No. He, he can do anything, but he understands and respects your privacy. So he will stand and keep knocking until you open. Say, so let God give him permission to transform you. And when he does, that's when your life truly starts. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not sure what you want to change this morning. But you can make that decision right now. Say, God, I'm letting go of this stronghold. I recognize something in me that is not working well. I recognize a behavior, an attitude that always is rebellious or always argumentative or, or condescend to the way every other person thinks. Say, I would not continue to just adapt to my culture without really understanding how it affects me and how it affects my personality in you, God. Help me to break the bonds of falsehood. Help me to break the bonds of rebellion. Help me to break the bond of defeated thinking. Help me. I pray for your people, Father, that you bring about the change, but much more, that we'll be willing to take that next step, to step out of this stronghold of self-defeat, to step out of the stronghold of defeating thoughts, because the weapons of our warfare they are not of this world, but they are mighty through you. And that weapon is your word. We lean into your word. And we know your word is able to make us wise and give us an inheritance 
amongst those that are sanctified. We believe it's God. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. The message you've heard was produced by the Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com. Or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com or on Facebook, The Trans Edge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable.